So it's my privilege today, I'm Simone, I'm part of the leadership team, and it's my privilege today to continue our preaching series called Surprising Christmas. So we've been looking at, uh, I've just been looking at how God has a surprising plan, uh, and then we've looked at how, how the songs were kind of surprising, sort of leading up to Jesus' birth. And we've come to the event where Jesus is actually born now, and we're going to look today um, at a surprising welcome. So people who were welcoming Jesus in, and we can see it's quite surprising, actually, because the Israelites... Israelites had been waiting for 400 years for this Messiah, for the Saviour to come. It had been promised, but for 400 years, nothing happened. And loads of people just thought, well, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, and compromised. And actually, when Jesus came, when the Messiah came, as we see in all these stories, some of them recognised it, and some of them completely missed it. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the thing where you think, uh, let's look for my glasses, and then you look everywhere, and they're on right on your face. Ever had that? I've had that before. It's like sometimes you, you re, you're looking for something that's lost, and it's right there all along. It's really obvious under your nose. Or like two weeks ago, um, I, I lost my car keys, so I thought, when we left to go home from the Fletton Centre here. And then I thought, oh, maybe they're at the car, so I arrived at the car, and lo and behold, they were around my neck with a lanyard all along. Like sometimes you think you lose something, but it's really obviously there. And today it's a bit like that, that the Messiah had come, but they are just completely oblivious and missing it. And we can learn from the people who did see it. So we're going to look at three stories. And I'm going to start with the first story, which is the story of the shepherds. It's in Luke 2, verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, the Saviour had been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So can you imagine, you're just a bunch of shepherds, looking after your sheep, going about your daily or nightly business, and all of a sudden, boom, an angel was there. Isn't that incredible? It's like, and not even that, it's like then the whole hosts of angels appeared. Oh, I wish I was there. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? And this is incredible because this is the first, the first people that God chose to reveal his plan to, chose to say the Messiah has come when he was born, after he was born, were the shepherds. And the shepherds were viewed as outcasts. 
They weren't even allowed to testify in court because they were deemed so untrustworthy. Yet God chose them to be the first witnesses to share the good news. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't look at the world, what the world sees in people. God looks at what he sees in people. And from the start, he's saying, I'm going to redeem you. That's what I'm here for. I think it's just amazing when you look at that story. Now, the angel says that the Saviour, the Lord, has been born. Now, in this time, Caesar Augustus was the Caesar who was ruling the Roman Empire, which was like Israel was was ruled by the Roman Empire. And he called himself the Saviour and the Lord. So for the shepherds to hear this, they were like, ah, no, 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 not Caesar. God is Saviour and Lord. God is making a clear statement here not humans, I am the saviour, I am the Lord. And they, they, they didn't just think, all right, do you know what? Uh, that was great, wasn't it? We've seen angels, how amazing, how amazing was that? That was amazing, wasn't it? And left at that, they were like, oh, hang on. There was something that we need to go and find. This is amazing, let's go and act on it. So they acted in faith. They didn't know whether they would find this baby in a manger, but they chose to leave their sheep and they chose to act in faith about what they have heard, which is so something we can learn from straight away from the start, to act upon what we have heard, to act upon it in faith. Let's look at the second story. So then the second story um, is about the wise men, and it's in Matthew 2, verse 1 to 23. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he, had called, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So here we can see that, that God has, has shown himself to shepherds, and now he's showing them to himself to a completely different set of people, the wise men. Now, these are likely to come from Babylon, and if you remember, the people of Israel were sent in exile to Babylon, But actually God is saying, now I'm going to redeem that as well because no one is outside of my plan. No one is... yeah, no one is outside of my plan. I'm going to reveal myself to the wise men, which were the Gentiles at that point. So he's saying, I've come to the people of Israel, but I've also come to the Gentiles. So he's saying this full, full picture of it doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you come from, I've come down for you. And we don't know what this star exactly was, but we knew that God initiated it. And again, 
The Magi didn't just stare up at the sky and said to each other, wow, what an amazing star. But they actually acted upon it with faith and they went. They didn't know they would find this manger. They didn't know they would find this baby. They even thought he was like a king in the palace. They didn't know anything, but they acted in faith in the unknown. They said, we're going to go. And then they had a dream, which they could have easily dismissed. We don't know what was said exactly in the dream, but they knew that God had said to them to not go back. So they, they didn't dismiss that dream. And just a little side note, don't dismiss your dreams. Because I've had lots and lots of dreams and God has been speaking to me um, in those dreams. I've been acting upon them and loads of amazing stuff has happened through it. God is speaking to us all the time, also in dreams. As we've seen, we see that everywhere in the Bible. So they acted in faith to what they had been told. Now the last story that we were looking at today is a story of Simeon and Anna who welcomed Jesus in the temple. It's in Luke 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the Lord required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Enna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Esher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So here we see another story of two ordinary people, a man, Simeon, a woman, uh, Anna. And we see that Joseph and Mary went to the temple to dedicate Jesus in the temple and they happened to be there. I think it's just incredible how God orchestrates all these events. And the only thing that Simeon could see was just a young couple with a baby walking into the temple. Easy to be missed, isn't it? It might have happened quite a lot in those days, but it was easy to miss. The priests definitely missed it, who were there. They did not recognise that Jesus was the Messiah. Yet because Simeon lived so close to God and because he was full of the Holy Spirit, he recognised, he says, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah, because he, he knew that by faith that he could say that. 
Now then there was Anna, another uh, lady there, which is an incredible lady. She gave herself to prayer and fasting. She was a widow for 84 years, which is quite a long time. She'd only been married for seven years. It was easy for her to become bitter and disappointed, but she was like, no, no, I'm going after this. I'm going after God. And then she sort of recognised this commotion that was happening, like what's happening there. And because she recognised the faith, she was drawn to the faith and said, yes, this is the Messiah. Again, the only thing she could see was a baby and, two, and a young couple and a guy who was excited. But she recognised it as well because she lived so close to God. So we looked at people who welcomed Jesus. We've looked at the shepherds. We've looked at the wise men. We've looked at an ordinary man, an ordinary woman. We've looked at King Herod and the priests. So God was revealing himself from the start to loads of people. And some of them recognised him as the Messiah and some of them didn't. Now I wonder, do we recognise Jesus in our own lives? Do we recognise him as the Saviour, as the Messiah? Or do we easily miss him? I often miss him in my life, trying to sort things out myself. But he is there. He, want, he came down to rescue us. The great king of the universe gave up his amazing home in heaven to come down in the stable to rescue us, which I think is just incredible. And not just in that time, but even up to this point today, he's there in our day-to-day life. Now, the trouble is, we can be stuck like the Israelites were stuck for 400 years in hopelessness, can't we? We need God to give us a breakthrough. And that's true, when you don't know Jesus, you need God to come and break through and to save you from your sins. That's the first step. But after that, he's redeeming us like he did with the shepherds. He's making us into the person that we were meant to be um, in, his, in his sight. So sometimes we can be st- stuck in like, we want to trust God for this, but don't quite know how. Or like you've been praying for this family member for ages and it just, the things that you long for, the things on your heart are just not happening. Or like for me, I really want to live a life full of peace. I'm a busy lady, I've got lots of stuff on, a family of four kids and husbands and work and lots of stuff happening all the time. I need to be in my head at like five places at the same time, but I know I can do that with peace, yet I'm often struggling, feeling stressed and feeling worried, anxious. You might recognise yourself in that. We can be stuck in that place or you just be, are stuck in this, in this sin that you keep on doing and you don't want to do it, but you keep on doing it. Well, today God is saying there's breakthrough, there's freedom from that. And I think we can, we can have a look at how the people didn't recognise him, so how we don't recognise him to, for was what stands in the way of this breakthrough and how we can recognise him so we can get that breakthrough in Jesus coming into our daily life and setting us free. Because when you look at the priests, they knew exactly who the Messiah was. They knew he would come. They knew, even knew straight away, yeah, he was born in Bethlehem. So they knew everything there was to know about the Messiah except for actually seeing the Messiah, which I think is quite ironic. And actually, it can be true for us, can't it? We can know all kinds of stuff about Jesus. We've heard lots of stuff about him. We sang lots of songs about him, yet we can completely miss him in our day-to-day life. Or like King Herod, he wanted to be his own king. He didn't need another king. He's like, I can sort that out myself. That's a threat, this king. I don't, I don't want another king. 
can be the same for us. We want, we've got this proud thing in our hearts. We're like, we want to be king. We want to be in control. We want to sort it out. As Jesus is saying, let me, let me help you. I'm here for you. Let me help you. Or when you look at the loads of people there haven't even heard the story of, them, of Jesus or the, or the fact that, that uh, Jesus had come. It could be the same for you. Maybe you've never heard the story of Jesus and his good news. And he is saying today to you that he is calling you to come into his family. He loves to come and rescue you. Or often, I think a lot, a lot of people in, those, in that time just compromised and just settled with this is what there is. I mean, we've been waiting for 400 years, like it's never gonna happen, is it? And I think we can be like that. This breakthrough is never gonna happen. I'm never gonna get free from this because I've tried everything. I'm so disappointed in you, God. Why, why are you not doing this for me? We can be like that, can't we? In this place where we're stuck. But unlike these people, we can see people like the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna that we looked at. They didn't just stay where they were. They acted, didn't they? They saw something of God and they acted and they said, we're not going to settle for this. And the same can be true for us. We, we do not have to settle for these things in our lives. We do not have to settle. There is breakthrough, there is freedom. What I love about the story of Simeon is that he says, this, this servant will not depart until I see your promise. He's basically saying, I am not going to die until I see this promised Messiah. The same can be true for us. I mean, for me, I I'm, I'm keep on saying to God, God, you are a God of peace. Your promises, you're a God of peace. Like Simeon was saying, the promised Messiah would come. I'm gonna hold on to that promise, but I already know that the Messiah has come and rescued me and I can be free. So I'm gonna stand on that promise saying, God, you're a God of peace. I want that peace. Will you give me that peace? And then when you do that, Jesus loves it. He, he wants to then come and reveal himself to us. So often in the car, I'm just having, turning the radio off. I'm just saying, Jesus, I feel stressed about this. This is in my head, that's in my head. Will you come and bring me peace? Will you be my peace? And then I start to recognize how he wants to bring me peace. He starts to say stuff to me about, oh, why are you worrying about that? You know that I'm in control. Or maybe do it that way. He wants to be involved. He's there for us. Almost like on the driver's, the driver's seat next to us, he's like there for us, trying to help us, like in the car. But, he, but often we forget. We forget that he's there and we don't actually involve him. Whereas we can. And his promises are as true as they are in the Bible as they are now. Um, I often like to, to think of it like this. It's like when our girls have had dinner and Voucher said to them, Voucher is a dad, my husband, he would say to them, after dinner, you can have ice cream. I bet you, after dinner, they're definitely going to ask, Dad, you promised us ice cream. Where is the ice cream? And if Voucher wouldn't give it to them, they would keep on saying it, Dad, you promised us ice cream. They would not go to bed without the ice cream, would they? Because Dad had promised. It's the same thing for us. God is a father. He has promises us that he'll be there with, with full of, we'll be full of peace. We can be free. He has saved us. So we can hold him to his promise and say, Dad, you said, so you need to come through for me here now. I'm gonna hold on to that promise. And God absolutely loves us when we're like that. He loves faith. He's drawn to faith. And he's like, yeah, come on. Now I'm gonna come through and I'm gonna help you. So, like I said, I've been doing that, asking God for peace. And the other thing that I've been doing is trusting God to provide. 
The other day, our washing machine broke and we're like, we don't really have money to buy a new washing machine. Father, will you come through? Father, you promised that you'll provide. And lo and behold, we got given a washing machine for free. Not amazing. Like God provides even for washing machines. And the other story is like this week, our seven-year-old daughter, Lika, she lost one of her cuddles, which is a big deal when you're seven-year-old, like very special cuddle. She cried herself to bed at night for a few nights and we've been looking everywhere, turned her bed upside down a million times and looked in all the drawers and all the baskets, but it was not to be found. But we kept on praying, kept on reminding each other as a family, let's not give up praying for this cuddle because Jesus wants to be involved in this. We're not gonna just keep Jesus at the sideline. He really cares about the seven-year-old who, lo- who loses her cuddle. He cares about that. And you say, God, that you care about us, so we're gonna hold on hold you to your promise. And then Alina, our other daughter, had a dream that we found the cuddle. And Alika was saying in faith, I think this is a prophetic dream, mommy. I think we're really gonna find this cuddle. We kept on praying, kept on going for it. Lo and behold, one night, Alika was laying in a bed, reading a book. She looked up, there was the cuddle. I cannot explain to you how this cuddle was there, but it was there. And I know that Jesus had provided that cuddle somehow. I don't know how. Maybe in heaven I will know how. I'll ask Jesus, how did you do that? I'd love to ask him that and see how that was. But I know, I know that God has done it and he's involved. If he cares about a seven-year-old's cuddle, he cares about you, doesn't he? I mean, he is so full of kindness and full of love that he would, they gave up his, whole, his, his, his home in heaven to come and be with you because he cares about you and all the troubles that you are going through. Don't leave him standing at the sideline. He's like jumping up and then saying, I want to help you, let me help you. And there we are, no, Jesus, we're just sorting it out ourselves, really. He's like, no, I want to help you. And this, like the washing machine and the cuddle has given us so much faith because in the middle of us, praying for God to provide for a car, to provide for a house in Holland, big prayers to pray, he's saying, if I can give you a washing machine, if I can give your daughter her cuddle back, don't you think I can give you a house? You see, you see, when you don't miss God, you can trust God for the bigger things. I just love that about Jesus. He just loves to be involved in every detail of our lives. He is the one who provides. Now, what are the promises that you need to get hold of in your life? You think, I need to get hold of the fact that God will provide. I need to get hold of the fact that God, you promised to give me peace. Pray those prayers. Dad, you have promised. Come on, you need to come through for me. God loves that. He loves that. So we've seen that Jesus had come down from heaven to be with us and he was fully man, yet fully God as well. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to be in awe and wonder of the greatness of God. Because as you see in all these stories with the shepherds, with the wise men, with Simeon, with Anna, how it ended, the whole um, encounter, how it ended with Jesus, they all started praising and worshipping God. And not only that, everybody around them heard it and they started praising and worshipping God. It's infectious. So I think we need to remind ourselves as well of the awe and wonder, like we've been doing, the songs that we've been singing this morning and in our daily lives and in our quiet times to remind ourselves of the awe and wonder of God. 
I often remind myself, come on, I want to long for more of God. I'm not satisfied where I am now. There's always more to discovering God. There's always more wonder and awe to go into with him. It says in Psalm 63 verse one, it says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Is this the prayer that you pray? My soul thirsts for you, God. My heart longs for you, God. In a dry land where there's no water, come, come, God, give me more of you. Is that the prayer that we pray? If I look at my own life, not always, but I want it to be my prayer. I want that desperate cry in my heart. I want to see you for who you really are. Because once your eyes are like, once you see that, then you're like, I have no doubt that this cuddle would be found. I have no doubt that God is going to give us a house in Nijmegen because I, I see who my God is. <laughs> and he's like, he's got a more beautiful house for me in heaven so he can prepare a house for me here on the earth. I have no doubt at all because I can see God for who he really is. You see how that works? Don't we serve an amazing God? So we've seen that God in Jesus has come down to be with us, to rescue us. Then we've seen that we can be like the Israelites, we're stuck in different patterns in our lives. But we've also seen how, can, how we can be like the people who welcome Jesus in and say, yes, I want you to be involved in my daily life. And the question is, do we respond by faith to what he's doing and involve him? Or do we, do we respond in fear and sort out ourselves and be stuck? I want to be the person who responds by faith, don't you? Shall we stand up? Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Thank you, Jesus, that you came down to rescue us. Thank you that you want to be involved in our daily lives. We're just so in awe and wonder that the God of the universe cares about a cuddle that's lost. Lord, it's amazing, yet you do. And I pray that you will come and that you will help us to recognize, forgive us for missing you. Forgive us for missing what you're doing in our lives. You don't want to be the people that miss it whilst it's really obvious in front of us, Jesus. You're jumping up and down saying, I want to help you, let me help you. You want to say yes, yes, I want to be helped by you, Jesus. Forgive me for my self-reliance. Forgive me for trying to sort it out myself. Forgive me for my unbelief. Yes, Jesus. I want you in my life. Yes, my day-to-day -day stuff, I know it's important to you. Help us to hang on to your promise and say, God, dared you promised, and then you will come through for us one way or the other. I pray that you will help us, Lord. May it be known that the people of Life Church are people full of faith, going after their Father in heaven, saying, Father, you have promised. I pray, Lord, that you will make us bold people, full of faith, in, and make us have awe and wonder and our hearts longing. Father, I pray right now that you will stir up Holy Spirit, a, a longing and a desire in our hearts for more of you, Lord. We're not satisfied with where we are now. We're not satisfied. We wanna see you for who you are. We wanna see, see your greatness. We want more of you in our lives, Lord. We wanna grow in you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, stir up that longing so we can say with the psalmist, my heart thirsts for you, Lord. My heart thirsts for you. My heart longs for you in a dry and weary land. Will you come and fill us up, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.